Arks Value Village loves makers, and makers love Arks Value Village. And the coolest part of all, Arks Value Village turns your shopping dollars into programs supporting people right here in the Twin Cities with disabilities. Arks Value Village. Together, we'll make something. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. I'm Stephanie Hansen, and this is the Makers of Minnesota podcast, episode number 52. And we are doing something very special this time around. We actually have a sponsored podcast, which I'm thrilled about. Uh, we have Molly King from Arks Value Village, and she is here with a couple of makers. And they are doing a very special event at the State Fair. So we're going to be talking to a couple of the makers that are participating in the event I just want to say that Arks Valley Village is a near and dear to my heart simply because I used to work with a woman. Her name was Lisa, and she would go to Arks Valley Village like twice a day. She'd go in the morning on her way to work, and then she would go on her way back, and she would keep a running list of things that we needed at the office. So if I needed a new iron or if I wanted a special pan, I would just tell her, and she would text me or send me a picture like like this one. She was great. It was like having my own personal shopper, and I just have a real soft spot for Arks Value Village. So thank you for helping coordinate this, Molly. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's great. So Arks Value Village, tell me a little bit about the mission and why makers are important to you. Yeah, sure. So Arks Valley Village is a thrift store that supports the Ark Greater Twin Cities. And makers are important to us because we love people like your friend who um, have something in mind that they're looking for, that they kind of like the, the thrill of the hunt, yeah. and they're looking for something specific. And um, makers, um, like you two makers here today, look to our store for materials for the crafts that they're making. And they know that they can find it, and they can find uh, really good, rich, unique materials at a really good price. Um, and then we take those uh, profits from the sales and those support programs for people with disabilities. So, so how do you know, how did you know about these particular makers or how do you get wind of that someone is using your store in that way? Yeah, exactly. So the theme this year um, for the Eco Experience is textiles. And the Eco Experience is happening at the Minnesota State Fair. This podcast is going to release before the State Fair, and we'll leave it up for the duration of the State Fair so that everyone can hear about what you're doing. You guys are, you have a booth in the Eco Experience building. Mm -hmm. Yep, so we partner with the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, and the theme this year is textiles. So our, um, it's actually our personal shopper, Michelle Raven, has a really great connection with a lot of different groups in the local community. And she reached out to um, a few of our very favorite um, makers, crafters, and um, organized this whole thing. And so we are, um, Arks Valley Village is sponsoring the Minnesota Makers Series at the Eco Experience at the State Fair. Fun. And as part of that, we're going to talk to a couple of the makers here. And also you've got some special activities planned 
where yeah. people can go to the eco experience building and see what you're what you're participating in. You have a fashion show. I know that's September second, right? Mm-hmm, right. And fashion show. If you've never been to a thrift fashion show, it's even better because it's like wow. You see that really cool clothes can be gotten at a thrift store or just like the way that people creatively put things together, which I'm terrible about. And even just accessories. Like I'm bad at accessories, but like you're sitting in front of me, Molly, with these beautiful earrings, you know, just a scarf or some sort of um, way that you would wear a special belt or a jacket can really change a whole outfit. Yeah, absolutely. And from a thrift store, Arks Valley Village, you're going to find these Really unique pieces that aren't just from one little mall in your neighborhood where everyone is buying the same thing. Um, You can find unique pieces from around the world that someone has donated, and you're going to get it for pennies on the dollar. And if you have any any initiative for creativity, you can put some really fun, unique looks together um, if fashion's your thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Makers is our thing, and we are here on the podcast. I'm going to – we've got two makers here. We've got Julie Steller from Steller Goods. We've also got Tara Lee Armbruster from Punchy Magnolia. We're going to start with Julie. Julie, can you describe um, the crafts that you brought? I don't need, I don't want to say crafts because crafts <laughs> sounds like you're some old grandma sitting in your basement knitting something. You make these beautiful mittens out of old sweaters that aren't old. Is that even right? Old sweaters, used sweaters, yeah, recycled sweaters, yeah, repurposed, repurposed. I think, I think the even the new word is upcycled. There's always yeah. a new word, but. I like to say they're just sweaters that were not usable or were not loved anymore and somebody passed them on. And maybe they had a hole in them or a stain and I can work around that because I'm cutting them up and then I'm remaking them into things that are useful and beautiful. So tell me how you got started doing this. I went to your website and I'll be honest with you, I was stunned at how many stores are carrying these beautiful <laughs> um knit goods that you're repurposing. I was I'm stunned sometimes too yeah. when I think about it, but that's been a wonderful part of the work I do. I it all started I was actually uh, I met a woman that was selling some mittens she'd made out of sweaters for a fundraiser, and I'd never seen anything like that. And I had to count back in my head in the car on the way over. It was about 10 years ago. And I bought these two pairs of mittens from this woman, and I was so captivated by the whole thing. I said, I have to learn how to make these. And so I just... Did you have any out. sewing experience? I have loved making things since I was a little girl. Yeah. And so I, it's really, you know, my mom put me in a sewing class when I was maybe in fifth or sixth grade, mm-hmm. but I have a very, very clear memory of using the Childcraft Make and Do book that had a pattern for slippers, and I made a pair of slippers for my sister. I was probably seven or eight years wow. old. The Childcraft at the time yeah, was like the encyclopedias right. that we used. Yeah, and it was, I still can remember the delight I felt working on those. And not uh, too many years ago, my sister said, I still have those oh, slippers. Nice. And so she gave them back to me. Oh, and they have cardboard soles. And I used a piece of a broken silk umbrella. I used the silk for the, for the, um, under the sole. And I think it has cotton balls for stuffing. Cute. I mean, they're unbelievable. But it really brings back to me that this is just a part of who I was from the very beginning. So you start making these mittens or you figure out how yep. to make them. Yep. I, 
how did you go from like, wow, these are really cute mittens that I'm yep. going to give to my friends and family to I think there's a business here? Well, it was interesting. I uh, The first year, I think I made maybe 13 pairs. And then the next year, people loved them. And so I made quite a few more the next year. And then the next year, it just kept on increasing. Um, and then I was uh, decided, well, I could do some, some little craft shows maybe. Um, but I... It really took a huge leap when I was going to do a big festival in Minot, and I knew that I needed help. I already had one friend that was helping me, but I mm-hmm. knew that if I was going to do this massive uh, Scandinavian festival, I had to have a lot of stock at the beginning of the year. And so that was when I actually went to Women Venture, and they helped me scale up, and uh, I hired help. And then it has just been... Uh, really wonderful. That's crazy. A lot of the makers that have come in through my door will mention Women Venture. Yeah. So how much money do you think it cost you to start your business? Like how much did you put in in terms of capital? Um, I, I They gave me a loan when I grew, but everything just came out of the Stellar family budget. Yeah, so you, you bootstrapped know? it. So sure. yeah, absolutely. And I already was shopping at thrift stores because I I had several children and I love to hunt, yeah. you know, just what... But um, you said about the hunt is really fun. And so I was I had been an Arc Value Village shopper for years and years before I started the business. But once I started the mittens, then I was hunting for sweaters and uh, which is seasonal. They don't put them out all year round. Right. And so but I was able to eke it out of the family budget until we made that big jump. And then I did get a loan from Women Venture. And at that point, I'm assuming you built like a website and that was part of what I used the loan for. That's exactly. I rebranded and uh, I worked with Taylor Design Works and they just heard who I was and what I loved. And and then we uh, so we did the website and I bought an industrial sewing machine and I hired some women. And so they also were sewing out of their homes. Yep. I also got into the wholesale market and was uh, able to have space in a, a wholesale mart showroom from with a woman who imports things from Sweden. Yeah. And that then is where I got that Nordic niche that has been so much fun because I love Nordic design. So I use Nordic braid on a lot of my products. I have a dedicated line of mittens and purses that only use Nordic sweaters, mm-hmm. which they're more expensive, yep. but they're, uh, the materials are just beyond wonderful. They say so. there's riches and niches, so yeah. good for you yeah. for finding them. Yeah. And I noticed you have a bracelet product, too. Yeah, because once I was using the braid, and that actually is how I met Michelle Raven, from, because the, um, their Arc Value Village participated in a uh, fashion week mm-hmm. fashion show, yep. and the women were wearing things from Arc, and all the models were over 60 and it was held at the Hewing Hotel, which has a Scandinavian theme. Yep. And they said, my daughter asked me, could you make us, she was doing the hair, and she said, can you uh, get uh, make us wristbands so we could show who paid for brunch? So those bracelets were what came oh, out so of nice. that need. And, um, and then that was my connection with, even though I'd been behind the scenes spending 
thousands of dollars at ARC every year. Right. Uh, <laughs> suddenly they saw me, and uh, and that was how we got to today. All right. So uh, we're also here with Tara Lee Armbruster and her daughter, Isabel, who's spinning around in the chair behind me. Uh, Tara Lee, you are making um, upcycled items as well. Uh, out of cashmere. So tell me about the hats that you're making with these beautiful pom-poms. Yes. So this came about making the hats toques. You just said a boot. You must be Canadian. Is (laughs) that correct? Very much Canadian. Very much. My brother-in-law lives in Montreal and he's married to a Quebecois woman. Oh, Montreal's a fabulous It is. Love it. Love it. Toques are what they would call toques. They're hats. (laughs) And they, you're making um, them out of cashmere sweaters with these beautiful pom-poms on mm-hmm. the top. What are the pom-poms made out of? So the palms are made out of either fox or coyote, um, and they're all handmade by me. And the coyote, actually, this past year, I started working with the farmers here in Minnesota. Um, a lot of people don't realize that we have an overpopulation of coyotes yes. and fox coming into the city Um so I'm working with the farmers. When the coyotes go after their livestock, they now become a pom-pom. So it's more of a sustainable hunting practices. Yeah. And um, the fox is actually sourced. Um, they're all hunted in the wild. None of them come from a ranch. That's one of the big things that I wanted to ensure. So the fur costs a little bit more money, but it's a better quality fur. Yep. Um, and yes. That's that's the palms. How hard is it to find cashmere sweaters at Arks Valley Village? Just it's, out of curiosity, it's not actually really. And, and no, no, and um, one of the, the the stories I like to tell people is this one sweater that I came across was still in the original bag and had the tags, and it was nine hundred ninety eight dollars, and I paid fourteen ninety nine for it. Wow, that is really fun. Yes, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, and I bet it was lovely. Oh my gosh, it was Italian cashmere. It was. Gorgeous. How Sold many, just like that. I bet. How <laughs> many sweaters does it take to make one hat? It depends. Toke, um, sorry. Toque. Yeah, yeah. I have toque rhymes with juke. Okay. Yeah. As, as I tell people, the toque is what you smoke when you're wearing the toque. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my gosh. How funny. Um, so it depends on the size of the sweater. So if it's like a men's or a woman's extra large or larger, then I can usually get like a couple. Yeah. Um, so all of the sweaters are felted down, which is like shrinking them in the washing machine. Some I get have already gone through that process. Yeah, I've done that. Right. And um, you don't always know how the sweaters are going to felt. Like some felt more than the other ones. Um, like you think that this great cable knit is going to be fantastic. And then you put it through the process and it just like shrinks right up. Right. Um, like a woman's petite. I'll be lucky if I can get like a child's hat out of that. Really? Yeah. And I noticed on your website, too, you have uh, toques for babies. Yes. That are real cute. Yes. Um, they have littler pom-poms, and they're real sweet. Um, so you've been doing this for how long, and is this like a sustainable business? Well, I'm hoping it will be. <laughs> so are you fairly new? Um, I have been selling, uh, making them to sell for three years now. Okay. So, yeah, that is fairly new. Yeah. Julie's been doing it for 10 years. Right, right. And I started making it... Probably about six, seven years ago. And again, the same type of thing where I just started making them for something to do and um, never expected it to become a business. And Isabel and I were shopping one day in the fall and we walked into one of the local boutiques, room number three, and Jessica and Beth asked, where did your daughter get her hat? And I said, well, I make them. 
and they're like, well, we want to place an order. Yeah. So the first order of 12 sold out in two days. The second order sold out in three days, and it just exploded. Yeah. Then this is like October, and like there I am, kitchen table with like piles of sweaters and like making things and trying to be a mom and trying to do my full-time job as a computer consultant. Sure. <laughs> a nerd. <laughs> And trying to make all this stuff work, and it was great. So I think that year I sold close to 100 uh-huh. in that two and a half months, which was great. Um, and then the next year um, I decided, it was actually in April, I had um, somebody out in L.A. wanted me to come out to an event out there. So I did that. Kind of got a little bit of a bug. A lot of people voiced interest in the product. Right. And then I did uh, Renegade Craft Fair in Chicago, and that in September, 80 degrees. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to the Renegade show. No. It's incredible. It is, they shut down Division Street, about 10 blocks of Division Street, and they have anywhere from three to 400 different artisans, makers, um, and higher end. And it's incredible. Cool. Yeah, really cool. So that first Renegade that I went to, and it's hot. I sold over 62. And you're making these at home. I'm like making them Every at home. single second, I imagine you just like having to sit down. And have yes. you gotten to the point now where you've hired some sewing help? No. Um, I have tried. Yep. And so <laughs> I need to talk because I've put out, um, you know, postings to hire people to work from home. And I find in the city there aren't as many people that know how to sew. It's more out in the country, but, I mean, I could be proven wrong. I find um, either people have the professional career or what have you, and this crafting or the handmade or the sewing has kind of gone away. There used to be, and I don't know if it still exists, a friend of mine um, worked at J.W. Hume in the Twin Cities here, and she had a Makers Coalition. Uh, Julie, do you know, does that still exist? Because well, they it were... exists, and I joined it, but I've never, I don't know what they're really doing now. Right. There used to be, but like, But their website, real... to watch the story, makes you cry. Yeah. It's wonderful. And there was a real training emphasis and a program that they right. were orchestrating through Dunwoody to hire sewers so that we could have some more American-made products. Maybe someone will hear this and investigate yep. it or think that there's some energy to put into that because... Mm-hmm. There is a need for local sewers. You guys, I think, are the fourth people I've talked to in the 50 podcasts I've done that are looking for sewers. Hmm. So if 20% of the makers need help, I would think that there's a business model there. Right. And I've even thought about, even if I got a studio and hired sewers, and it could be like a a A cooperative, you know, to help each other out. So, you know, when it's my downtime, at least... It could be working on other things. Yep. Because there is a need. Um, I've met several other people, like you said, that have to source it to New York or wherever yeah. just mm. to get it made. Yeah, and I don't think – I think this will be fun because, like, I have a little file in my computer of, of wait list. I have had more people approach me than I can hire. But I do – I have 15 women that sew for me right now. Okay, And they range awesome. in age from 84 – down to 21. Yeah, so we're making connections here. Thank yes, you, Molly, we are. with Arts Valley Village. Um, so in terms of your business model, mm-hmm. have you been able to quit your job yet, or is that a goal down the road? Um, I did. Um, so a year ago, 
I stopped doing my what my background is, so user experience design. Yeah. Um, so I stopped doing that because it was going to be the start of my busy season. And um, I focused primarily on going to shows and making and doing all of that. And until about February, it was sustainable. The challenge I find is the seasonal product. Right. And that's where um, I came up with a baby line this year, uh, introducing a few things. And then in the summer, coming up with the linen beach blankets and I noticed the that on your website, yeah, that you have a linen uh, beach blanket that you're making. Right. And that was kind of – so friends of mine who own a paddleboard company, they had a festival and asked me to be a part of it. And it's like, what on earth am I going to sell at this thing? Like, okay, I'm going to sell maybe a few toques, but – is Nobody. this the guy that was on your website? Yeah, Tommy and Robbie. Oh, they had, I, <laughs> not to digress, but you did have a very attractive man on your website in one of your hats. And I was thinking, wow, I wonder if that is her very adorable son. <laughs> okay. No, not that it's old. not. <laughs> is their paddle company local? It is. Is yep. it Paddle North? It's Sup Calhoun. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah, Tommy and Robbie are awesome. And cool. they, they're, again, it's all about collaboration. And they modeled the, the toques for me. And yeah. You know, give back to the. I took photos for them, and they use them on their site, and it's all about helping each other. Neat. A lot of cool collaborations happen in the maker space. One of the things that I've noticed when I've talked to makers that can be challenging is, A, you have this business, and now you're trying to scale it beyond your one person yourself. Julie, you've seemed like you've done a great job with that. Tara Lee, obviously on your way and inquiring there. I was struck by both of your websites and your social media presence. How much has social media changed what you do? Because it feels like that's a real direct link to sell product. Either of you can answer. Yes. Social media, I hands down, is my success. I mean, yes, I have a lot of local followers and in a few stores, but it has ex- exploded with social media, especially Instagram. Um, That's Tara Lee from Punchy Magnolia. Your Instagram. Also, do do you sell with Pinterest and Etsy? Um, I'm on Pinterest. I'm not on Etsy. Um, And that's just personal preference because I don't like the fees. Yep. So I sell on my own site. Um, And I did approach Amazon as well. But because my products are so unique, like there aren't one of a kind. Like it's a one of a kind type of thing. They're not interested in that. They're more interested in the, in the mass produced. Yep. Um, so, and even like the Amazon market, the smaller one, they're, they're, they want bigger volume. Um, but yes, the uh, Instagram, if I post a picture of a hat it's or a toque, it's most likely to sell. Like people will co- like contact me offline and say, I need to have that. And then there's like kind of a fight over that. And it's incredible. That and, is incredible. Yeah. Uh, because it's it, at this point, you're probably not buying advertising on Instagram. No, uh, you're not having to spend a lot of money updating your website continually with photos and product and the shopping cart. Right. It's just such a quick way to do it. Julie, how about you? Are you? Oh, well, this that- is very inspiring to me because I have the same issue. My things are all one of a kind. And so it is a challenge. Um, and especially when you're the maker you're busy making, yeah. and you don't want to take the time to sit in front of your um, computer. So that's a brilliant way to do it. I'm in the process right now of putting all fresh stuff up on my website, 
um, because, you know, we're going to be at the state fair. Yeah. And so I wanted to be able to have plenty of um, product on my website. Well, you both have products available for sale at the Arcs Village, Value Village booth? No, not. Okay. So, but you'll get exposure from being at the fair and yep. people will learn mm-hmm. about you. Yeah. Um, one of the things that struck me terribly about your Instagram site in particular was it feels like you're trying to cultivate a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. The product placement is very artsy. It's not so obvious. Like, mm-hmm. hey, um, we've interviewed the uh, gentleman from Love Your Melon that also it's a lifestyle brand. Julie, is that the same for you in the Scandinavian world? Oh, I think so because I mean it's sort of hip and in to yeah, be north. from the north, sure. you know, in Minnesota. All my tags say "handmade by a real Minnesotan." I love that. And, yeah, and I do too because I think there we this is our place. This is where we come from, and we it's cold here, and it's hats and mittens and scarves are all things we need and uh, I think probably both Charlie and I agree that they should be beautiful and fun and yeah. not just practical. One of the um strangest things about me just a little share here. I don't know why. I've lived here my whole life, but I don't think I really owned a hat until <laughs> I was about 28. Like I had this idea, I always, you know, the hat's going to ruin my hair and blah blah blah. With with getting the right equipment, winter is so much more doable. And hats really feel like that they're in now, too. Yes, and that yes, it's they are. cool to wear hats, both men and women and kids. And yes. I just feel like we're really into hat. And also mitten. You've got mm-hmm. arm sleeves, too, which mm-hmm. I liked a lot that had the fingerless. And those are just cute to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a runner and people are bicycling. Are looking and, yep, for and those are made of cashmere. Yeah. And so they're lovely. It's like wearing your blankie to yeah, work. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys have been very inspiring. I can't make a thing. Tara Lee, you're going to be doing an exhibition at the State Fair, and we'll get the details on Molly, but about T-shirt making. Mm-hmm. I have a book that I actually bought. It's like how to make 99 T-shirts. And half of them were st- – you had to sew, so those were out. And then I had the other half – that you could tie and I just don't have it. You know, like that's just not my thing. I am not a crafter. Try as I might. I'm terrible at it. And my little nieces were visiting me this weekend and they said, Oh, our mom can't do anything either. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, okay, this is a skill we just didn't get as a family. So I love the recycled idea on the upcycling of t-shirts. I have so many t-shirts from like races and things that. Yes. You know, and that was, when I was digging through the boxes, so the people at, at Arc Value Village, they, for one week, they collected just at one place, and there were six giant boxes of T-shirts, and half of them were just hideous, and that's kind of my mission now, is like, okay, companies like the Bullseye and other large corporations, stop making these ugly T-shirts with no design. You have team of designers Come up with something that people actually want to wear again rather than at the concert or the corporate event or whatever, and then they throw it away. It's kind of funny because I have a shirt. I can think of Pizza Luce did a promotion once where you got this shirt and you would get, like, a discount on your pizza every time you wore the shirt. Mm -hmm. And I still – the promotion has long since ended, but I still wear the shirt because it's just a cute shirt. Right. Why do we have to not have cute shirts when we run a race? Exactly. You know, we yeah. should have cute shirts. I exactly. agree. It's like, come on, people, get with it. So 
I mean, the the shirts that I picked out, I mean, some of them are cute and some of them are whatever. Trying to show. More meaningful, maybe. Right. Yeah. Like, I may not wear a baseball shirt or a Viking shirt, but, like, make it into a tote, like a market bag. I mean, it's so easy to do. Um, like They're this, real like cute. Like a twins. She's bringing um, out some shirts that she's cut into, like, a tank top that has some, like, fringe tied on the bottom. This is just a market bag. So, oh, it's a bag. Yeah, okay. So it looks like You don't a even have to sew. And then you put all your stuff in the bottom, and it's not going to fall through. That's cute. You can cute. take it to the beach, and all the sand's going to come through. I yeah. Mean, there's a million and one ideas out there. And, I mean, if anything, back to the social media, like Pinterest is just loaded with ideas. Mm-hmm. And you get, like, so caught up in all of the different things and how to make it. And, of course, some fail. But, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's fun to try. Yeah, absolutely. And see where it goes. So, um, Molly, do you want to talk a little bit about the events that you're going to have um happening at the state fair that people could participate in that are hearing this podcast oh yeah absolutely so uh we also will be giving away some of these t-shirt market bags at the eco experience um on a few of the different days as well as something that's been a really big hit are these little um sewing kits and little mason jars so we've put together uh various things that have come in through the store um and put together sewing kits and those will be available as well and then, always, we have a style show put on by our, our very great team of um, stylists. Michelle Raven is leading that. And they'll have um, some uh, two different style shows on Saturday the 2nd, featuring clothes from Arcs Valley Village and just styled in a way that will uh, blow your mind. If we're hearing, if there's a crafter that's listening to this podcast and they want to figure out, like, hey, I wonder if Arcs has X kind of product that maybe I could use um, do they go into a, their local store and try to chat with the general manager there? What's the protocol for them to be recognized as a maker to maybe get some help in? Yeah, absolutely. So um, go to, we have five locations, go in and look and see, you know, what it is that you're looking for. Maybe talk to a manager or someone there. And um, sometimes we can do special projects, special sorting projects, or help you identify days of the week that would be better for what it is yeah. you're looking for. Excellent. And, um, if we have... Um, inside information on, you know, when those cashmere sweaters will be coming out, we'd be happy to share that with you. Yeah, so that you can get the inside track or just knowing if it's a product that comes through the mm-hmm. store often. Yeah. Um, I know when you have someone that's looking for something, just going back to how we started this, my friend Lisa, you know, when the extra special crock pot was in the store, she would know because she would go <laughs> there Lisa. twice a day. Lisa is amazing. Um, ladies, it has been super wonderful to spend time with you. I'm looking forward to seeing your booth at the State Fair. I am a huge fair goer and will be in the eco experience with Arcs Value Village, helping them and identifying opportunities to just spread the word about makers. Everybody listening to this podcast, we've had, they all start with an idea, right? And it's yep. just like, maybe I could make this into a business. And I love the um, ingenuity in people that discover their hidden talent. And none of us started out doing what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. You always find mm-hmm. your way. And uh, the makers of Minnesota and the people I've talked to are just so clever and so smart. So thank you for being here today, Julie. Um, Julie has StellarGoods.com. Uh, Tara Lee Armbruster has PunchyMagnolia.com. And you can find on their websites their products, and also their social media handles so you can follow them and see what they have to offer 
for Arcs Village on the Go is the Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, also you have a Facebook page and a Twitter account. And mm-hmm. you guys have it all. We have it all. Yes. <laughs> uh, there used to be a song, a 25th anniversary song of the mall. So we don't want to go there. Do you remember that? We just, I'm thinking of it because the oh, mall America. just celebrated their 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, all right, so while you're out at the state fair, make sure you can take part in the t-shirt transformations with Tara Lee. That's uh, September 1st. Um, also at the um, uh, September 1st, is it 5 o'clock that you're doing it? Okay. And then on the 29th at 10 and at 12, or did that change to the 31st? No, nope, it's the 29th. It's the 29th. Yep. Okay, so Julie yep. will be there. And Julie, what are you going to be teaching people to do? I'm going to talk about how to repurpose wool. And so I've been working hard cutting sweaters in half and washing one half and leaving the other half and showing how the different kinds of wools work. Um, Shetland wool, cashmere lambs will they're all different and they all respond differently and you can make different things from them so all right so that'll be the 29th of august from 10 to 2 and i just want to say thanks for being here ladies thanks for having us